listening to the Section 5 Podcast. Welcome back to the Section 5 Podcast. It's me, G. I'm going in solo today a little bit. The rest of the crew is probably watching NCAA Championship game. My bracket got busted a long time ago, so... I'm a gambling man. I don't have much of a rooting interest in this. It would be cool to see Gonzaga go undefeated, but at this point, don't know if it's going to happen. But nevertheless, I'm here to talk Celtics basketball. And here on Section 5 Podcast, we like to provide ourselves a platform as fans, but also we like to provide other members of the Celtics Nation, blue check mark or not, if you have something to offer, and, you know, we kind of vibing with you on Twitter, then, you know, we'd love to have you on the podcast. And so tonight, I'm proud to have my man Kailash, part of Weird Celtics Twitter, here to join the podcast and chop it up with me a little bit about Celtics basketball. Kailash, what's up, bro? Hey, what's going on, man? What's going on the Celtic world? Celtics fans, I know I'm just a normal fan. <laughs> I don't have any more than 300 followers, but, you know, I know my best. Basketball, I watch Celtics. I've been a diehard fan since about 2009. So uh, let's get it. So, drop. can you drop your Twitter handle out there for the folks and make sure we can plug you? Yeah, my Twitter handle, it's a little weird. I actually don't even know by heart. Uh, it's zero gravity and it's Z-E-R zero, the number zero, gravity underscore zero. So um, nothing crazy. But and my name is Kailash Kumar Naikam. Right, and we make sure we put it out there um, when we put this podcast up. We're recording right now, as I mentioned, right during the NCAA championship game. And Kailash, I know you just mentioned that you've been a Celtics fan since 2009. Coincident- not coincidentally, the Celtics won the championship in 2008. So my first question to you was going to be how you became a Celtics fan, but I have an idea of how that happened. Whatever idea you have, I guarantee you it's wrong because okay. growing up, I grew up in, I grew up in Jersey. Um, mm. I wasn't really into sports. I was a chubby kid, you know, just uh, crazy about studies or whatever, but I did love tennis. Watched mm. tennis with my dad. And um, around 2009, uh, there was just a random, I guess, sports center just happened to be on my TV. And it was Ray Allen hitting a shot over, I think, Charlotte, well, I think, were they Charlotte Hornets back then? Before they had the, the name change, or whatever. Well, they Bobcats, Charlotte Bobcats, what it was, okay. yeah. Charlotte Bobcats, and it was Ray Allen hitting a game winner in 2009, uh, March, February ish, around then. And I was like, yo, this is pretty cool. Like, what this is really cool. I like this. And then, since that team just happened to be showing at that time, that was my team. Mm. And it wasn't until they got blown out and around. Early April of that year, they got blown out by the Cavs and LeBron and all that. I was like, wait, this team's the defending champions. Mm. I was like, Yo, okay, all right, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I did kind of get a lot of hate on it for being a um, mm-hmm. Celtics fan, but I didn't understand that they were the defending champions. Mm. And um, I, I really fell in love with Paul Pierce. That was my guy. You know, I, I started playing basketball, and he became my guy. I played like him, you know, not that most athletic, not the – Mm-hmm. fastest but you know slow footwork step backs find a way to get your shot even when i play now that's that's mm-hmm. my game you know find the find the right guy if i gotta score take it to the basket step backs you know so that's that's how it was has nothing to do with the oa championship it was mm-hmm. just a random sports center highlight fairly coincidental um 
I like to think that my game is similar to Paul Pierce too. My man, my man Adam can attest to that. The little step back jab three. Cause when I be on the court these days, all these kids want to play like James Harden, man. For real, it's crazy. But um, yeah, it's um it's interesting that that Ray Allen is the reason that you became a Celtics fan. So Ray Allen, I know you're out there listening to the Section Five podcast. You don't got to feel so bad about Celtics fans not liking you and all that because we have one right here who became a Celtics fan because of you. So hopefully Ray Allen can sleep at night peacefully tomorrow night after he listens to the Section 5 podcast. I, I, I don't forgive him for the 2010 finals, though. He cost us that final. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the, the defection of Ray Allen. But, um, yeah, so speaking of which, um, me and you sort of connected because um, – obviously on Twitter, but through just conversations and then maybe one or two DMs exchange, you know, you told me that you have been following this, the podcast since pretty much, I don't want to say day one, but since the early beginnings of the podcast, this is season two of the podcast. We started um, before the beginning of the two ni- 2019 through the 2020 season. And so I'm just wondering, you know, you mentioned that, hey, maybe you don't have tons of followers and, and, you know, the Section 5 account doesn't even have a ton of followers by any means, but these things go organically. So I'm interested to know how you sort of found out about us and what made you sort of stick with us and keep listening. Before actually you get to the other point, which is about Weird Southwest Twitter, I actually came across Section 5 through that because... Where is all this Twitter is just a bunch of random Celtics followers, just just like me, right? Yep. So you're always retweeting, and then I guess maybe you said something about the team, and then I guess someone retweeted your tweet, and boom, I just clicked on your account. And I wanted to follow as many people that posted positive Celtics news after every loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not trying to hear, like, Kemba this, Kemba that, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you must have posted something, and then I was like, oh, I went through his page, and I was like, oh, yeah, the podcast. So I think it was around when we lost to the Spurs – January 8th, 2020. I have really good memory with dates, so I'm I sorry. See. That, that might, was that the game that Gordon Her- that Gordon Hayward? No, no, that, that, that was the home. I'm talking about the home game. Okay, uh, in okay. January. We lost. We, we got blown out by them. It was my birthday. That's why I remember this. Okay. But, um, uh, yeah, so it was around then. You posted a tweet saying, like, don't worry about this team or whatever, and I ran into the podcast. Was, oh, wait, you have podcasts. And obviously, I'm always listening to podcasts, and – um, I just ran into it. I started catching up and then I have listened to every episode until the, the, the latest one with the trade deadline. So that's how I came up with that. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I think I could be characterized as positive. Um, my boy, Miguel, he's like, any type of bitch in the Celtics. He's always like, gee, come on, man. Like we're Boston fans. We got to be critical. And I am critical, but you know what? I feel like I'm more even killed about the Celtics because as a season ticket holder for all these years, I've, I've been to some huge games. I've been to games where the Celtics were up and lost. I've been to games where Celtics were down big and came back and hit game winning shots. And my man, Adam can attest when the game gets really tight, the gardens going nuts, at least pre COVID, like the building's shaking, the building's rocking. I'm always at my comments. I'm usually sitting down arms folded or holding my hat, just waiting for the next play. And I feel like going to so many Celtics games live has kind of conditioned me to like not ride the emotional roller coaster of a 82 game season. Let that alone- might be like a diehard sports fan thing. Cause it, 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 you know, if the score is 44, 27, the second quarter, you're like, all right, whatever. Like it's going to be yeah, a comeback. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know, you got to call it like it is. And there's obviously room, room for criticism 
trust me, there's a lot of folks out there giving all the criticism, especially on sports radio, where I just feel like Twitter sometimes and, and today's NBA fan is in it to get their jokes off. They're not in yeah. it to sort of watch basketball or, you know, see the nuances of a dribble handoff or, you know, set plays. You know, people want to get their jokes off because their team won tonight. And instead of an 82 game season, there's 82 one game seasons and people live or die off of every game and don't really immerse themselves and just enjoy the basketball game. And then you can, you know, you can, you can give your commentary, whether it's, whether it's, whether it's considered critical or positive, but I think there's just a space for people who just want to talk about the game in a manner that is not snarky Twitter. Like everybody's a tough guy on Twitter. Everybody wants to get their jokes off. And I just try to be the opposite of that. And I do think that's rooted in just me being at a ton of live basketball games and just watching a ton. I mean, I grew up, you know, in Boston where, you know, during a time period where we didn't win anything. And then, you know, the Red Sox won it and the Patriots won it. And when you're a Boston sports fan, like you've watched some pretty big fucking games. Like throughout the last 20 years, we've won, I don't even know how many titles. And so just going through that experience so many times, it's like I've been there, done that. I try not to get too caught up in the hype from game to game. So I'm glad that I'm glad that's what appeals has, to me. It also raises expectations. You know, like you expect a lot out of your team, no matter how poorly mm-hmm. talented the roster is, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm as disappointed as anybody when they win or lose, but, but, you know, genius, not to get philosophical, but genius these days is, a, is an outcome. If you're successful, you're considered a genius. So if you made the right trade, you're considered a genius. When a lot of these things are luck and a lot of these things are just having your preparation sort of make you ready for the moment and you got to live with the results, so. Celtics fans out there, chill out. We're Celtics Twitter. I love you because we're a combination of passionate and smart fans. And we put those two together. You know, everyone feels like they're an expert and they are in their own mind and in their own right. So let's get down to it, Kailash. Um, What really led you to the podcast today is that you hit me up like, bro, I need to I need to rant right now. Like I need to go on a rant. Can I, can, when, when could we talk? When could, and it was after the Celtics, I think they had just went on a four game L streak. And since we sort of put this together, I think they won the last two games. Um, so. it, it was after when they played the Pistons February 12th. Your exact tweet was nothing but a bunch of whining on the timeline, sheesh. And mm-hmm. that's all I saw on my timeline mm-hmm. after the loss of the Pistons. And I, I, I responded to it. I was like, they'll be fine. It was an expected loss, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. I said that because. They're coming off a four-game, five-game West Coast trip, and they beat Toronto on Thursday. I was like, all right, they got to lose one of these games. They're not winning both. Mm-hmm. You know? So yeah, it was that. Yeah, you, and then, and then, but you did. You hit me up like I think it was a week ago Thursday. If I'm looking at my DMs, it's like, man, anyway, can I? It is there any way I can rant about this team in the next two weeks? <laughs> and my response was, let's do it. So what we're gonna do right now? We're gonna do a little segment, first time section five segment called rant or rave. I'm gonna give you a topic. You get the floor to either rant about whatever the topic is, or you can rave about it. You can go in any direction you want. So the first topic is going to be Danny Ainge at the deadline. And let me just give you a brief little rundown of what he did do and what he did not do. And what Danny Ainge did was he traded for Evan Fournier from the Orlando Magic for two second round picks. And he slotted him into the traded player exception that he gained from the Gordon Hayward signing trade to the Charlotte Hornets. What he did not do 
was he did not trade Aaron Gordon for Marcus Smart, Aaron Neesmith, and a first-round pick. And that's the assumed deal that would have had, would have been necessary to acquire Aaron Gordon because the because the Magic ended up getting Gary Harris, RJ Hampton in the first round pick. So I'm certain that if that's what they got from from Denver, they would have preferred the Celtics package. But clearly, the Celtics felt like that was a bit of an order, overpay. The other move that they did not do was Nikola Vucevic, who ended up going to the Chicago Bulls. I imagine that it would have taken a combination of Rob Williams, Marcus Smart, and two first-round picks to get Vucevic based on the deal that they got from Chicago, which was Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porto Jr., and two first-round picks. So you've seen – I think we've had two or three games of Evan Fournier. He started off horribly 0 for 10. He's kind Four of games like, exactly. Pelicans and then the Mavericks and then these last two, right? Yeah, and then the first, yeah, and actually the first game that we had was against OKC, and he had he had like a false um, positive. Positive test, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's 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 talk about Danny Ainge and his deadline move based on all the rumors and et cetera, et cetera. Are you are you do you want to rant about that that um trade deadline or are you going to rave about? Uh, it? Is there an option between rant or rave? If there is, I would be in the middle, but closer to rant. Well, I think it all starts from like the off season, mm-hmm. the last off season, the last two off seasons, I should say, mm-hmm. and um, the proposed Gordon Hayward deal, which he was supposed to go to Indiana for Miles Turner or whatever it is, Doug McDermott, round pick, yep. And all I heard when the trade didn't happen was, "Oh, Danny H folded, Danny H folded." But my question was, like, doesn't Gordon Hayward have to accept the trade and want to go to Indiana? For Danny H to make a trade happen. Correct. You know? I, I do think, and not to interrupt you, but I do think there was a period where Charlotte was not in the picture. Yeah. And Danny okay. H could have pulled the trigger and Gordon Hayward would have went to Indiana. But the the constant haggling in those negotiations allowed, allowed, allowed Charlotte to swoop in, in the last minute and say, fuck it, we're going to give you the max. Go ahead. Yeah, because my thing is with Danny, he's not very aggressive. As you can see with other GMs, like like uh, uh, the Nets GM, Sean Marks, like he just went and got Harden, went and got KD and Kyrie, went and got all these trades and made it happen. Now they're contenders. He's not as aggressive as other GMs, mm-hmm. but um, I think it all revolved around not trading Marcus Smart. And as, a, as him being my favorite player, I'm glad he wasn't traded. But uh, I think he, he should have made uh, – some more moves. I think we're missing another wing, like a Harrison Barnes, a DeMar DeRozan, especially for a team this year. And I wasn't particularly happy with that in Fournier move, not because he wouldn't fit with the team, but he's an expiring contract, right? Is there's no guarantee he's going to resign. We're right. hoping he resigns, right? right. But right. like, and Danny Ainge has always been one to never trade for um, expiring contracts. Mm-hmm. So he's making almost like a win now move with a team that can't really win now. Right. And as fans, we're all looking towards the future and trying to build a team. So what in the in the summer this year, if Fournier just walks away, then what? We have the same roster we had two weeks ago and Danny Ainge just lost a traded play express exception. So uh, I also don't think he had many options because the roster kind of sucks. Like Neesmith, Samuel Jalego, like you're not getting a, a strong role play out of that. Mm-hmm. And unless you actually traded Marcus Smart or Robert, Robert Williams, you're not getting a good player. So I would say I'm kind of mad at Danny Ainge, but I understand where he's coming from and he's doing what he can, but he should have pulled the trigger on uh, at least on a, a, another player. 
So I'm I'm going to try to make you feel a little better about that. And this is not me being Mr. Positive. I'm going to give you a couple of numbers, right? You have two six foot seven wings, both averaging 18.5 points a game over the last two seasons. Um, one averaging 1.1 steals, one averaging 0.9 steals per game. Um, one averaging 3.2 assists, the other averaging 4.1 assists per game. Both shooting three, both shooting forty percent from the free throw line. Um, one on one on two point seven attempts, the other on one point eight attempts. Um, both shooting fifty two percent on two point field goals. Um, one out rebounding the other, but basically, if you took player X and player Y, they are almost extremely similar, except one is getting paid the max, the other is getting paid eighteen million a year, and those two players are Gordon Hayward and Evan Fournier, and. When I realized that Evan Fournier was six foot seven, I was like, whoa, okay. I didn't know he had that type of size. Um, and to get him for two second round picks when the alternatives were trading Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and or Marcus Smart and first round picks for a player in Aaron Gordon or Nikola Vucevic, who, if you look at Danny Ainge's track record, he's like a go big or go home. Either he's trying to get a Kyrie Irving Anthony Davis or somebody like that, or he's going to go with what he got and develop the players that he has. If it's not going to be that, it's going to be an Isaiah Thomas type of move, a low risk, high reward move. And I think that's what he did with Evan Fournier. When you look at the, the Miles Turner trade over the summer right now, would you rather have Miles Turner or Robert Williams? Is that even a question? <laughs> I think we're both going to say Robert Williams. Yeah. So not only did he not, who, who's getting paid a fraction of what Miles Turner is getting paid, right? Um, not only did you not trade for Rob, um, Miles Turner in his salary, and Doug McDermott, I mean, he's he's kind of negligible in this conversation. Victor Oladipo was actually rumored to be what Danny was asking. They wanted Victor, of, of course. Yeah. I mean, he, he listen. Yeah. You're trading. You're trading Gordon Hayward. You have you have the right to ask for. You know, if we're, we're all saying how important and impactful and how much yeah. loss it is for Gordon Hayward. Of course, you should be asking for a lot. And look what Victor Oladipo ended up getting traded for a bunch of nothing. So Linux and Avery Bradley. Yeah, so so Danny Danny was right. And now now my criticism is okay, you use part of the TPE on a guy who's who's an expiring contract. When yeah. the TPEs was the largest in NBA history, we're thinking, hey, we're gonna get a big fish. But Celtics fans, you know, you're not gonna get you were not gonna get that guy unless you traded Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And that just is not gonna happen. Um, so I think Danny Ainge did a great job at the deadline. Celtics fans would have, I mean, even look at Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday just got four for 160. Milwaukee traded five first-round picks for him. Celtics fans would be marching down to Danny Ainge's office to carry him to the, throw him in the harbor like some tea if he traded five first-round picks and then maxed out Drew Holiday, who's about to be 31 years old. That that just wasn't going to happen. So Danny Ainge may not, you know, allow you to get your, your, your braggadocious rights off on Twitter, but the man's make smart decisions. And I'm going to rave about that Evan Fournier deal. I wish we could have gotten more, but to get Evan Fournier for two first round, two second round picks, I think that's a great move. Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was like kind of in the middle because he didn't have much to work with mm -hmm. and he kind of just did what he had to do. But don't you think it depends on if he resigns? That's what my main right. concern is. It does. Right? It does. And 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 I think you know he's not he's gonna come in. I mean, it, it it almost seems like Marcus Smart's replacement just got we're gonna get into that later, but yeah, but Evan Fournier, you know, they they like to bring him back. Marcus Smart is due for a contract, and Marcus year, Smart right? 
um, after next season. And I always bring this up. Marcus Schmont went on the record on Zach Lowe's podcast and said he is not taking a discount the next go round. Now, that was two seasons ago. Things changed. Circumstances changed. So we can see what happened. But there's, you know, that's going to have to come to a head at some point when Marcus Smart's next deal is coming up. Um, is, it, is it possible that he's Gordon Hayward's replacement, Evan Fournier? Could you look at it like that? Well, he's definitely Gordon Hayward's replacement right now. But moving forward, you, you got to wonder if how, how you're going to be able to pay Marcus Smart, Evan Fournier, and Evan Fournier, um, you know, market rate salaries. Um, moving on to our next topic, I guess it's your favorite player. So he's the favorite of a lot of Celtics, weird Celtics Twitter. They love him. They trust him. Marcus Smart. And I want you to rant or rave about Marcus Smart's value to a contender. And essentially, what you get out of Marcus Smart is that he can shoot you in or out of games. But with that comes someone who brings the intangibles, the leadership, the heart, the hustle, the defense, and perhaps the best playmaker on the team. Um. Marcus Smart's become a polarizing player this this season. Um, lots of people wanted to see him dealt, would have happily dealt him in either of those Aaron Gordon or Vucevic deals. So I want you to rant or rave about Marcus Smart's value. If you remember that um that that meme that always shows Marcus Smart holding the, the yeah. little picture that says I bring value. Yeah. Rant or rave about Marcus Smart's value to a championship contending team. I don't know if I can ever rant about Marcus Smart, but um Marcus Smart's value, like you said, he, he will shoot you out of a game, shoot you into a game. Like game two against Toronto last year, he shot us right into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple games ago, he shot us right out of the game. You know, but like you said, he brings the intangibles, defense, playmaking. And I think that's so important to the team because if you look at that team in February, they were, especially on the back-to-back when Kemba and Smart was gone, they were not winning that game, no matter who you played. And I just think he's so important as um, to this team because – at least for what I would like, I would love for Kemba to be dealt and Smart to be the starting point guard, but that's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. Not to get off topic, but like Smart's value to contender, I think he, he he's like the Draymond piece of, a, of the Warriors group, or he's like the Patrick Beverly mm-hmm. piece to like a Kawhi Leonard group, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that, that yeah. heart and soul that you need right there, you know? Like the Kevin Garnett without the, the mid-range jumper in blocks, mm-hmm. you know? Like he's that that piece that you always need. So I think a contender can use them. Like uh, like a, a team like Denver, you bring Marcus Smart as a two guard, that's perfect, you know? Yeah, I think, but- I think, I think the Draymond comparison is, is a good one because, you know, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry are known to sort of be a little bit mild-mannered, you know, smooth, smooth players, right? Yeah. And I remember on the podcast one time, you know, I said, this team needs some nasty, you know, shout out to Greg Popovich. This team needs some nasty. Ideally, it'll come from your best player. And I do believe Jason Tatum is the best player on the team. Somebody yeah. who's going to get mad, get pissed off, clap in somebody's face, slap the floor, get some text, die for a loose ball. I mean, if your leader is doing that and your best player is doing that, then you're on your way. But, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown do sort of go about their business a little bit quietly. And, and Marcus Smart brings a little bit of that edge and that nastiness to the point where I was almost down with bringing in Boogie Cousins just because he was going to shake shit up and make people a little yeah. bit uncomfortable on, you know, on some yeah. Jimmy Butler shit. And I think that's what this team needs at times. Um, but Marcus Smart brings that element. I just think back to that Toronto series last year. Went seven games 
We and were that, not winning that series without Marcus, Marcus Smart. Smart. The, no. the game where he hit like seven or eight, he hit like five threes in a row in one game. And yeah, then, it was game two of the comeback. Yeah. Yeah. And then in game seven, he, he put the block on Norman Powell to steal the series. Like, as much as this man yeah. may shoot you out of games, come on now. Marcus Smart, every single team would die for Marcus Smart. And that's why he was the most desired asset on the team, you know, when, when Danny Ainge hung up when you asked about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, Next topic that I want you to rant or rave about. So I had a I had a, a little exchange with another member of, of Weird Celtics Twitter. Shout out to my bro at Polly T5. Um, he's following me. I follow him. Uh, and I posed the question out there after um the, the Charlotte game is somebody please explain to me how we've been starting two big men damn near all season. And the majority of Celtics Nation was like, why are we starting two big men? Why are we starting two big men? Well, we started two big men damn near the whole year, and one of them was not Rob Williams. And Paulie's response was, hey, Brad Stevens played this perfectly. You know, Rob Williams wasn't ready in the beginning of the season. And, you know, the way that Danny, um, that Brad brought him along slowly, he was much better than he was in the beginning of the season, and now he's ready for the moment. And my response was, bro, the Celtics are sitting at 500. We've been playing way below 500 ball for like three months. Like this team has needed a spark for a long time. And you had them sitting on this bench the whole time. I believe that Brad, Brad Stevens severely mismanaged that. Paulie believes that he played it perfectly. So I want you to rant or rave about Rob Williams not starting at all until the last three or four games of the season. Sorry, G, but I have to disagree with you. I agree with Paulie T. I, I would, I, I like how Brad handled it because one thing is, the last couple of years he's been injured. He got drafted twenty eighteen. You know, he missed his little. He was late to a meeting or whatever happened, so it was already off to a bad start. And then he had the edema, the hip edema, right? He had a couple injuries along the way. Mm-hmm. So who knows if he was actually fully healthy to play thirty five minutes from the start, right? And we had a collection of big men: Daniel Tice, Justin Thompson, Rob Williams. So uh, th- that team that got to the conference finals was with Daniel Tice starting. So I think with going into the season, Daniel Tice should have been starting. Mm-hmm. The double big, I don't know how why that came apart, but I like the way that Brad handled it because it gave Rob some confidence. You know, I think slowly starting off 15, 20 minutes, getting time with Marcus Smart coming off the bench. And for him to stay healthy this whole time and be able to build his confidence up, I think uh, Stevens played it right because – even in the past, when he'd have his good stints, he'd be injured. Now he's staying healthy and he's having good stints. And when the opportunity came up, Danny Age pulled the trigger and then he knew Rob Williams uh, was ready to start. So I, I liked how Stevens did it. Well, I, m- I mentioned earlier in the season that genius is an outcome. So I guess because Rob Williams is, is playing well now that you can say that, that Stevens played this correctly. Let, let, me, let me throw a few things back at you. Okay. Do you think the Celtics would still be sit? It would be sitting at five hundred if Rob Williams had was the starting center in a single big lineup twenty games ago. I don't think this is a a thirty and five and fifteen team, but maybe this is a twenty eight and twenty two team. Do you think they would have been? Do you think they'd have a better record if they'd have a better record by a couple of games? Okay, and 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 we're gonna get to us in the next segment, but. The difference between the fourth seed and the ninth seed is pretty much one game. One game, right? One and a half game, okay? So all these games are going to count. And 
clearly my 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 position was assuming that Robert Williams was healthy enough to play. Yeah. Um, because his per 36, his his per 36 minute numbers were ridiculous, even going back to last season. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he provided sparks against Philly, against Toronto in those spurts and Brad just didn't trust him. And I understand that at times he's not in the right spot defensively in the rotation. And, you know, he has his flaws, but similar to Marcus Smart, the things that he brings to the table, that's unique that other players on the team do not bring outweigh any, in my opinion, any sort of growing pains that would have come along with him, with him getting more time. And in the Celtics, it's not like they were able to practice. From what I understand, due to COVID protocols, they can't get full practices in. Um, they're only getting a few walkthroughs in here and there. So I don't think that Robert Williams is there practicing. Just I, I, I just don't personally feel like he's he's so much vastly improved between now and February that Stevens is starting him. This is a matter of circumstances. Stevens was forced to start him because they traded Tice, and who knows where the hell Tristan Thompson is. And this. <laughs> This team has needed a spark. This team, and, and not to mention our record, this team has needed a spark for months. And I just think we had that guy, that spark plug sitting right there in the toolbox for all these, all this time. And hopefully given, and this is bringing us right to our next topic, hopefully giving the, the squeeze in the standings, those couple of games where Robert Williams may have made the difference, even if it was three or four games, Hopefully that's not the difference between us making the playoffs or not. But I, I, I appreciate your, your honesty and disagreeing with me. I got to reach out to Polly T and let him know. All right. Somebody else agree with you, but I still think I'm right. But shout out to at Polly T five for, for having that interaction with me on Twitter last night. Moving on to the next topic. Celtics currently sit at 25 and 25. Tied with the New York Knicks for seventh in the Eastern Conference. We're half game up now because they lost to Brooklyn. Lost so. Okay, I checked the standings before I came on here, but they did lose to Brooklyn. Yeah, so points. Um, Jeff Jeff Green hit a few free throws. Um, a little victory, man. So they're, half a game, they're half a game um, behind the Knicks. They're one game behind uh, Atlanta for fourth. And then they're two games ahead of Indian, Indianapolis for ninth place. Yep. Um, so I want you to rant or rave about the Celtics being one game behind the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, I'm raving because the way the season's gone, man, uh, with COVID and everything, like with Jason Tatum getting COVID, with Rob Williams getting COVID, and I know every other team has had COVID excuses, but if you look at the number of games missed due to COVID protocol, the Celtics are leading. And that might be skewed because of Tristan Thompson and Romeo Langford, but they have been hit hard with COVID, you know. And then on top of that, the Kemba being a month late and Marcus Smart missing a month and the nagging injuries of just Jason Taylor trying to recover. It's been a crazy season. And then besides all that, the roster just wasn't that good outside of the main four, right? So with all that, 25-25 is still not that great. But if you look at the rest of the East, we're right where everyone else is, right? And if you're looking at teams like the Hawks, the Hornets, who are above us, if you throw these teams in the playoff environment, who are you taking in the series? Either those two teams, Boston, Jason Tatum, or P.J. Washington? Like, no, like you're taking Jason Tatum in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I would raise because we're only a game behind the fourth seed, 
for as bad as the season has been for us, we still have a chance to make a run. So I, I'm, I'm happy with it. Yeah, you know, I think you you, you might you might have swayed my opinion a little bit because I was I was ready to rant. Um, because why is that? Because at the end of the day, the Celtics are one of the only teams in the Eastern Conference that has two top twenty-five players on the team. Um, I don't think Milwaukee does. I don't think Philly does. The Nets do. And so that should be enough to have you sitting way above 500. Now, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you wouldn't have been good enough to get to the third seed, but also it's also, it's how they got to 500 because lots of times the basketball was, it, it wasn't good basketball. Yeah. It wasn't effort plays. It, it wasn't what we were used to seeing where, Hey, we can live with that loss. Like usually the losses that we have, people were pissed because of the product on the floor. Um, but given all the challenges that you mentioned, and, and also, you know, we had a disappointing, you know, last year we felt like we should have been in the NBA finals and we sort of came up short against Miami. And a lot of those issues that we had against the Miami Heat kind of carried over to the season. And so I think the Celtics should be sitting way above 500. But given all the struggles that they've had, I mean, you can't quantify what COVID's done to this team, but they have missed more games due to COVID than any other team. Kemba Walker's been on, you know, on, on minutes restrictions and game management. Um, Smart was out, Tatum was out, Brown was out. Like, we may have had two or three games with our entire roster. Actually, I don't think we've had one game with our entire roster because Tristan Thompson is out partying somewhere, doing something and breaking pro- COVID protocols. So I'm, I'm, I'm not looking at it at the glass half full just yet because we easily could revert back to some old habits. But even those against Houston and even those against Charlotte without Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball, the Celtics may have found something in the last few games with Robert Williams, and hopefully we can, it can carry over. But if you don't mind, let me throw a question back at you. We do have two top 25 players, right? Mm-hmm. But outside the rest of the roster, can you name a single player on the bench on this roster that is just as good as anyone else in the East? No. And, and well, Evan Fournier now. I mean, besides before but, that. But you, and you know what? You, you raise an interesting point because the only, I've, been, I've been adamant about this whether it's trade, whether it's internal development, the only way the Celtics will become legit NBA Finals contenders is if three of Aaron Neesmith, Romeo Langford, Peyton Pritchard, Robert Williams, and Grant Williams, three of those five have to become starter on any team level players. We don't need the GOAT, we need the SOAP. Starter on any team level players in order for the Celtics to be successful. And Robert Williams may have inched himself into that conversation. Peyton Pritchard has the potential to get there. Neesmith, Langford, and Grant Williams are very much question marks right now. So to your point, yes, outside of Tatum and Brown is where the other teams in the East start to have their advantages because they're a little bit deeper. They have a little bit more veteran presence, and they've been playing together a little bit longer. We got a bunch of young dudes that Danny drafted filling out the entire roster aside from Tristan Thompson. So, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, Kailash, I got a bonus one for you so, that, I didn't, that I didn't put in our agenda. Okay. My man, Paul Pierce. <laughs> My man, Paul Pierce, the, one of your favorite players, the guy who you model your basketball game after. I woke up to some text the other morning 
of people saying how Paul Pierce was wilding out. <laughs> and I just saw a screenshot. And then I see the video clips of Paul Pierce's Instagram live. Paul Pierce is smoking. Looks like he's smoking a blunt. He got a shot of either some tequila, some cognac. He's playing poker. He got strippers booties behind him. Paul was wilding out. <laughs> and then today they say that ESPN has parted ways with Paul Pierce. And at first, you don't know, think, well, Paul Pierce was on the jump. But then I'm like, damn, Paul Pierce was on NBA Countdown as well. And that's like their premiere NBA TV show outside of the jump. And now it's gone. And you know how much people hate on Paul Pierce already, right? You know, they're, they're quick to forget what type of player Paul Pierce was. You know, because a lot of that is hate on Boston. But Paul fucked up, man. I'm like, oh, Paul, what'd you do? So do you, I want to know, are you are you ranting about... Paul having strippers, getting massages, playing poker. Are you gonna Are you gonna rave about it? For me, it's, I'm I'm raving about it because it's funny to me because I've always been the type of person to be able to, you know, like for an artist and music to separate their music to their outside life. Same mm-hmm. thing with the NBA players. Whatever you do on the outside, I know it affects the world, but I'm not gonna let that affect the way I look at your game. Paul mm-hmm. Pierce was a killer on the basketball court. You cannot guard him in the 2000s, right? You were he's one of the most underrated players of all time. Outside of basketball, he's a little goofy guy, you know, just saying whatever he wants to say. You know, his takes aren't the craziest. And I, I've i hated on Paul Pierce, like, outside of basketball many times. And I feel like now he kind of just going to be the next step, whatever the next step is for Paul Pierce. It's kind of funny to me because uh, he's just one of those uh, – he's like the journeyman, but, like, the life journeyman. You know, you're, you're going to see Paul Pierce somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He's like the Antonio Brown. He has that kind of lifestyle mm-hmm. outside. A very good player on the field or on the court, but just a goofball outside of it. So I, I, it's funny to me. I hope he finds what he needs to do. So I'm not ranting. It may make Boston look bad, but I think at this point, people even forget they even play for the Celtics. They're just like, oh, this, this fool just has really bad takes. So, mm. I mean, I, I, I can – I must rave about um... – he looked like he was having a great time. I wish I was there with him. Yeah. Um, but the key to keeping your professional and personal life separate is to not put it on Instagram live. That's just a little lesson for you. But Paul is always welcome back in Boston. I hope that he somehow lands in, you know, with um, NBC Sports Boston. And he's either doing some pregame or postgame with Perp because we'll love him here. Um, and, and really quickly, man, anyone who wants to hate on Paul Pierce. The man got stabbed nine times at the club in Boston and didn't miss a game. Okay. You want, you want to, you can say whatever the hell you want about Paul Pierce, but take that with you. Okay. When you think about your favorite player and all that stuff and how quickly Boston was to not only losing Lynn bias, not only losing Reggie Lewis, but to losing Paul Pierce. Imagine, imagine that. So, so Paul Pierce is always going to have mad respect in my eyes. And he did some dumb shit. Who knows what his wife thinks? It, 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 just, it was just stupid. I don't know what he's thinking. But, Paul, you're always welcome back here in Boston. I was um, thinking that, too. He has a wife and kids, right? I was like, wait, wait. What yeah. am I listening here, right? <laughs> Paul's wilding, man. Um, but it was like, you know, the night before Easter. Like, Paul, yeah. you could have just been chilling at home, man. I'm sure he wishes he did. You know, the majority of mistakes we make, we wish we were just chilling at the crib instead of going out and doing whatever we did. Um, breaking news, 
shout out to Baylor, who just pretty much demolished Gonzaga by 20 points um, in the NCAA championship game. I think the final score was 85-76, but the Baylor Bears looked like they were just a tougher team from the tip-off. Slug got in early foul trouble, and this season's over for Gonzaga. Came one game short of going undefeated, and they're about to be in the conversation of those 2011 New England Patriots who just just falling short of a perfect season. 2007 Patriots, right? 2007, yeah, 2007. Um, 16, 19 and one. There's kids, there's, there's a, sorry, 18 and one. There's a kids in Guatemala wearing 19 and no t-shirts because all the <laughs> merchandise was shipped into South America. But Kailash, man, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Um, you've been a, a pleasure, great man. Thank you. Make sure we stay connected in the DMs and all that. Um, and hopefully you continue to listen to us and would love to have you back on again sometime in the future. Let's go see all right, that does it for tonight's episode of the Section 5 Podcast. Be sure to check us out on all platforms, Apple, Spotify, and the rest. And we'll catch you on the next show.